Thank you for the uh, songs this morning and for that uh, worship time together. And as we continue to uh, look into the scriptures in front of us, let's ask the Lord to continue his presence with us. Father, thank you for blessing us with this morning. Thank you for the time together. Thank you for your spirit's presence with us and for your leading. And we just thank you for all the aspects of of the things we've been able to consider and, and meditate on and worship you in all of these ways. We uh, pray that you would guide and direct us as we continue these uh, thoughts and, uh, and pray that you'd bless to those who are gathered in the Sunday school and uh, encourage them too this morning. For those who aren't, aren't able to be with us, we pray that they might find your presence wherever they are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, we come to the end of the book of First Thessalonians, the letter that Paul wrote to that church. Uh, he was concerned about their well-being. And uh, towards the end of the book, it stays the same. I, I've titled this a church building project. Uh, and the last few verses of the book seem to, uh, anyway, speak to me that this is on Paul's heart, that he wants to build the church in Thessalonica. So how many people remember these uh, scenes? Not too many of us anymore. Rod, yeah, yeah, you were up there. I don't know if that's you up there, Rod, or not. I don't think so. Rod never got that high on the building, maybe. But I know that there were some others here, and Ted was up there, and uh, Steve probably, and Dave, and and others (laughs) that aren't uh, with us uh, for the moving on, and others uh, passed on. I think Chester lived in that little trailer for many days and nights, I think, uh, as he was supervising the the project. And So it just brings back some memory of 1991, a church building project that was going on. And, you know, there were lots of aspects to this project, right? Any building uh, has uh, phases and and components of it. First of all, you have to decide that you want a building, then you have to decide what you want in that building and what it's for. So it's vision and purpose, and then there's a whole lot of planning to do and uh, all the uh, blueprints to draw up and all that went into that. And and then there's actually the, the building, the construction phase, which you know went on and uh, many, many a shared moment from that time. It's uh, uh, all there, right? And all these various aspects and some I probably haven't mentioned that had to go together to, to make this uh, happen. And it, and it wasn't so that we could have just these walls and roof, uh, right? The purpose of that whole project was so that the people, you people, us as everyone, who can be not just built into a building but built up into a spiritual community for Christ. And so that was the purpose of this structure. And and we uh, had certainly had a very in, wonderful time uh, seeing that project completed. So Paul's, Paul's first letter to the believers in Thessalonica describes, I think, some aspects of, of his vision, his building project for that church. Not in a structural sense. I don't know where the believers in Thessalonica met, probably in homes, but I doubt if they had a building especially like this one. But uh, he was concerned about building the church as a people group. The first verse that I'm given to speak on is in First Thessalonians 5:11, and it says, "So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing." 
So there is, I think in these last pieces of the letter, there are about th- three aspects anyway that I see the, the components of this building project that Paul has um, enc- as an encouragement to them. There's, there's the leadership building project, there's interpersonal and mutual building projects, and then there's personal growth projects that, uh, that Paul is outlining here. So the first thing that Paul mentions in these verses is that he wants the, the leadership building project to, to carry on. And you might, what does uh, Paul have to say about that, which is kind of interesting, because many, many uh, organizations put leadership as a, a priority and put a lot of effort into developing leaders, and rightly so. It's kind of important. There's the, the selection process, there's training, mentoring, and there's uh, materials to read and to study, all sorts of helps. But Paul emphasizes an aspect that doesn't seem to get too much attention when you're out there in organizations in the world that when you're talking about leaders. He emphasizes that we need to love our leaders. Verse 12, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. You know, in our society, it seems that uh, leaders get a lot of heat, right? A lot of criticism. You just have to volunteer to be a leader, and all of a sudden, someone's got you as a target uh, in their in their sights. And it uh, can be a bit discouraging. And I don't know, you know, why would anybody want to lead in these sort of environments? But there are people who who uh, are drawn to that or are given that uh, opportunity. But uh, Paul points out that rather than the critical side of that sort of leadership, he wants to point out the encouraging side, that the need to encourage leaders, and it's important. Um, I must pause here and just say that I don't know how Paul would have written this letter to BFA, but I think he would have said something, well done, BFA, you're doing a great job in encouraging your leaders. So as one of the leaders, I, I think I just speak for the rest, that feel that this is really a part of BFA, that uh, people are very encouraging to the leaders. And so you're taking this to heart, and it's, uh, it's really appreciated. So in our group of leaders here, and uh, this includes almost all of you really, because in any part of you, there's, there's, there's those leaders that have given responsibilities, but there's the leaders that are working down with the children, there's leaders that are in our homes, there's leaders in your Bible study groups, there's uh, leaders in all sorts of different ways. So everybody who's uh, taking a leading role in any of these areas, uh, it's, it's really important to continue to encourage them. Because uh, in our group of leaders, it's, it's, it's nice that we don't have just you know, one solitary leader that uh, uh, stands out because that leader becomes the target of criticism, right? It's, it's a, a shared group of leadership that we practice at BFA, and I think that really does foster that encouraging uh, kind of relationship between the leaders and people. We all potentially are leaders, and we know that, and we try and encourage one another and we see multiple gifts that work that way as well. With a group of leaders, we don't all just have that one or two gifts. We have a variety of gifts of, 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 uh, that the Holy Spirit has given. And, and uh, it just works really well to have a group. And uh, we appreciate your, your encouragement. That, that leaders need encouragement is not uh, 
it's talked about often, but it is out there in the literature. When I was looking at some of the uh, um, literature on leadership, I came across a medical management uh, uh, leadership um, consultant, and, and he had sort of these things to say. Everyone can do something to reduce the isolation of the leader's job and therefore help to make the leader more successful. And another quote from this Kenneth Heckman, leaders are people too. They need affirmation and encouragement like the rest of us. So Kenneth Heckman, MBA. But then, as we just read, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Paul, apostle. Uh, so I think Ken Heckman has caught on to the idea that Paul wrote, you know, several thousand years before him, um, but it bears emphasizing um, even now, and as Paul does in this letter. You know, many of our church leaders, I think, would fall into the category of reluctant leaders. Uh, there's maybe a few people out there who really want to go for leadership roles. But many people are there just because they see there's a need and they've been touched by God's uh, work in their life to, to help out where they can and that is one of the roles that they can help out with. But it's, you know, it's not one of those highly sought-after, desirable positions with lots of perks uh, in this world anyway because the benefits of the job are out of this world, really. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's an old, uh, old line. But it really is important that these leaders who are somewhat reluctant have the encouragement of the people they lead. And it will just energize them more to, to be able to complete that work that God has called them to do. It just makes their work more enjoyable. It's hard sometimes, as Paul says, it's hard, difficult work. And uh, encouraging the leaders are, are really part of, of bettering the whole community. And that's part of Paul's building project for his church is that he wants to uh, encourage the leaders. I, I think if you remember back in the Old Testament, uh, Moses, he was a reluctant leader. He, he was uh, meeting God at that burning bush. He tried to be a leader, sort of, but it didn't go well when he tried it on his own, right? He ended up killing some people because of that and then fled. So he took 40 years off in the bush, in the wilderness of the burning bush. He goes up to see what's going on. God says, you know, I'm God and and I want you to go to the, back to Egypt and lead my people from, to freedom. Wait a minute, God. That's, uh, I think you've called the wrong person here. Maybe you could send someone else, he says. And No, I think I'm going to send you. But I don't speak very well. Well, go anyway and I'll send some help. But, you know, Moses wasn't really jumping at the gun to, to go to this, uh, this position. And he didn't have an easy time, did he, when he starts out, you know, great, got the people free. They, you'd think they'd be so happy. The first thing they do, what did you bring us here for? We don't have any food. We don't have any water. This is a crazy idea. Whose idea was this anyway? Well, well you know, it says, not mine, it's God's idea, you know, like, but, but here I'm just, the, you know, they certainly didn't give him a, uh, an easy time. And that happened not just once, not twice, but multiple times throughout their journey through the wilderness. And when we pick up the story again, kind of late in the journey, they're still at it in Numbers uh, chapter 20, verses 2 to 13. We see the people again complaining. Same problem. There's no food and there's no water here. And uh, before Moses had been instructed to go up to a rock and strike it, and God says, well, this time just go speak to the rock 
and it'll bring forth water. He goes up to the rock and he's talking about these rebellious people in front of him and, and doesn't he just do the wrong thing? He strikes the rock. God told him to speak to it. I think part of it was, you know, this, this people is going to drive me to hit rocks. Uh, you know, and then the, God mercifully let the water gush forth, but God said, you, you kind of messed it up there and you're not going to get into the promised land yourself because you didn't really follow my instructions. But how much more likely it would have been that Moses would have followed the instructions had the people been supportive of him, right? How, you know, they wouldn't have even had to go through all these years in the dryness and the wilderness if they'd started off, you know, just being kind of encouraging to Moses. Yeah, I know it's tough, Moses. It's dry and wet out here. It's dry and, and uh, starving out here, but... Uh, what does God say about this? And what are you going, can you approach God? And Moses says, God's going to feed you and look after your water. Well, that's great. You know, like, okay, good. You know, like, wouldn't it have been a positive encouragement experience? Can you imagine the history that would have been different if that was the way it had been? So I think, you know, Moses didn't get that encouragement all the time. Uh, some of the times he did, but he had a lot of opposition, even, even from the people, from his family at times. And it was, it was a tough road for Moses. So encouragement is important. I, I don't. I put this picture up here as a, as a story of illustration of that, not to uh, to do anything um, boastful. I, don't, I hope anyway. But you can tell one of those characters up there. <laughs> the other one's the uh, president of our anesthesia association in Ontario, and I was blown away two years ago, three years ago now, by the, the notification that I had won an award. What? I had won an award. What was that all about? Well, it turns out my colleagues had nominated me, and I didn't know that they were working on that. And Vicky even got into this, uh, by, and she was uh, crafty about it. So here I, here I am winning this award, and I, and I thought, those colleagues of mine, they, they went to some really effort to, to nominate, to send letters, and to research this, and, uh, and, uh, and the association awarded the, this award because of that, and I thought, that really wants me to help these colleagues, right? Like, they supported and encouraged me, and I want to help them. I, I have this medical leadership role at the hospital, which is not that much fun, really, I must say. It is a, a tough job at times. But uh, when, when I know that I have the support of people around me, it, it makes it a lot more bearable and a lot more fun. And uh, that way, Paul is saying just that thing about the, the leaders in the church, that you, if you can uh, reward them, encourage them, and, and build them up, they'll have a much easier time, and the things will go better for everybody. So that's building project phase one, or the first component of it. Uh, the next one is more of a building project for one another, for each other. And it's an interpersonal and mutual building, and it's sort of to look for the best in each other. Let's read a few more uh, verses. Uh, verse, uh, the end of verse 13, And live peacefully with each other, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. 
See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. So Paul's asking for a kind of important thing that that he's making everyone responsible for the well-being of everyone else in the church. And uh, he says, look for those special situations where you can be a person who can help out. So one of the most uh, important ways to help uh, leaders is to live peacefully among each other, as Paul says here. (laughs) Uh, When I have people at work that are bickering, fighting, or even more openly uh, in conflict, and uh, they call on the leaders to, to you know, intervene in these situations. That's, that's where it's like, oh, somebody else should do this job. You know, I really don't want to do this anymore. But if people are living peacefully with each other, it's a breeze, right? It just goes so well. And so Paul's urging the Christians in Thessalonica to live peacefully with each other. Then he goes on to say, some hard things like, brothers and sisters, we urge you who will warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with everyone. That's not going to be easy to, to you know, help some of these people. Like, we don't really want to warn people, really, do we? I don't, I don't know. Some people may have that, that tendency, or maybe it's a gift <coughs> of exhortation. But it's a hard one. And then there's those who are, are um, timid, a little bit shy, a little bit fearful to help them and those who are weak. Now, how would you tell the difference between those three kinds of people if you have to identify them? Well, I was trying to be creative and thinking of, a, of a, an object lesson for that. So you're going back a few centuries and you're going to plow the field with your horse. I don't think any of us have ever done that. Not even rod, I don't think. Right? <laughs> I don't think rod wasn't a farmer, though. He was a fisherman. Oh, own it. There's, a, there's a someone who's plowed with a horse. Oh. So pretend you're going to plow with your horse and you hook up the one horse to the plow and you say, get it. And the horse takes a few steps plodding along and then stops and you no, no, give another few steps and, oh, this isn't going to work. So take that horse back to the barn, get your next horse out and put that horse on and it starts jumping around and it sort of takes a few steps and backs up and then jumps to the side and then, uh, well, that horse isn't going to work. And the next horse you bring out doesn't even move, you know, it just stands there, like get up and, and like, so you, you've got three horses, none of them are getting you anywhere. The first one, Probably just the lazy horse. He doesn't listen to you, right? He just won't do what you ask him to do. He just stops there. So what are you going to need to do for that horse? He's going to need to understand that he has someone who he needs to listen to to change his ways. And I think that's sort of what the, the lazy Christian might need. Though laziness is not just indulgence. It's, it's listening to someone or something else other than Jesus, like and I'm one of the most guilty people for being lazy. And I was like, I would rather indulge myself and do this because I want to rather than listen to what Jesus would like me to do. So I'm going to be lazy here. And that's the lazy person. They need to change their understanding and listen to the one who's Lord and Master. And it's a, it's a task that 
that we need to encourage people to do that, to say, listen, Jesus is our Lord and Master. We need to follow him. Then there's this horse that's skittish, right, that jumps and, and he just, he's just afraid to take the steps that he needs to to get going. And he gets it all confused. And there are lots of people who are a little bit afraid of doing things that they need to do in their Christian life. And we are to be an encouragement and help to one another, to steady them down, to, to show them the way. They may have lots of energy, but they need to focus it in the right direction. They need to, to place their trust in the Lord. And then there's that last horse. And that last horse was just sick, right? He just was weak. He couldn't, couldn't do it because he needed medical attention. He needed some same thing to help. And, you know, that's the identification. So you have these people that need to, to receive support, receive attention, need spiritual help and, uh, and healing in their lives. So three horses that won't move, they all look the same sort of on the, on the outside, but they have very different problems. And that's why it says, Paul says to uh, you know, be patient with everyone. Individually, we have to look for the needs. We have to understand. We have to know people. That will involve getting to know one another, right? And so, so that we can not just judge people for not moving and just say, you know, you're lazy. By the way, that word lazy in, in the Greek word, it was used for people who just didn't show up for work. And uh, I think that sort of says it all. They, they kind of there, but they didn't, they didn't really come to work. And uh, so we need, those people need to be exhorted, Paul says, and warned. But the others need individual and special care, uh, varying degrees and varying types. So we need to know one another. And that's not a job just for leaders, right? Paul's saying everybody in the church has this responsibility to help everybody else. I'd like to just uh, introduce you to this author, Lisa Turkhurst. I don't know how to say your last name. Vicky's been sharing thoughts from this book from, with me, so I said, that sounds something like we could use it for uh, this talk this morning. So uh, if you have any questions about the, the book, Vicky has nearly finished it. I read some excerpts from it yesterday. To, and it's called Unglued. And, it's, uh, and I, I thought of this because of what Paul says in verse 15. And this is the message uh, version. And I think it brings it out really well. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves... You don't snap at each other. Look out for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. And so this book about uh, Unglued, uh, Lisa goes through some ideas that that, uh, reveal how we react in various situations. She calls there's two types of sort of bad reaction, two groups of people. There's the exploders, those who blow up and snap at each other. But another group is the stuffers. They sort of just keep it inside and it festers there, right? So both of those responses are incorrect for our, for our uh, purposes. One of the stories she starts her book with is kind of interesting. i just relate it to you. So she starts her book, she says, I'm awake at two in the morning and I'm sleeping here and I, I, I'm trying to sleep and I can't because I'm thinking about how I reacted today. She said the, the, there's this uh, situation in their home. They have a bathroom upstairs and downstairs, but the bathroom downstairs is when that everybody seems to like to use, and she can't keep the towels there. People just take the towels and they go, so when she comes out of the shower, all she has is a hand towel, and that really irritates her. So that, that morning, her husband was showering, and 
He says, can you get me a towel? There aren't any towels here. And she goes in, there's no towels at all. She so those, those girls, those daughters of mine, they've done it again. She goes marching up the stairs to tell them, and then she can't find them, and she can't find any towels. She thought they would be there. So she finally gets a Barbie towel. I guess one of the girls has a Barbie towel. She brings it to the husband, and he says, isn't that the towel the dog sleeps on? What do you, you know? You care about me? You just give me a dirty towel. That's not the towel the dog sleeps on. We've got three of those Barbie towels, and that's not, you know, I wouldn't give you a towel the dog sleeps on. And so she goes marching out, and then uh, she was going to give it to the daughter. She goes upstairs and says, I don't want anyone else using that bathroom anymore. And then they all look at her, what are you talking about? You know, like, and then she goes downstairs and goes out to work. She's now late for her meeting. She slams the door, screeches her tires as she drives out and then realizes that she's really not reacted very well to the situation. She has exploded uh, to a sort of a trivial situation. And that's when we sort of get on each other's nerves and we explode. But Paul says, don't snap at each other. And then Lisa goes on in, the, in her book to, to give us some really good advice on how to sort of manage these emotional reactions that we have and what's a more healthy way to, to react. So I recommend the, the story there. But uh, we, are, we are not to snap. We're to bring out the best. And that's going to take some, something you know, to, to manage our emotions. It's going to take some honesty with control, right? We're going to have to... We, want, we don't want to just stuff it in and not, not deal with the situation. That's just as bad. But we want to bring up these situations that, that cause irritation or that trouble. But we want to, con- with control, bring it up to people and build them up and bring out their best and not bring out our worst. So that's uh, that building project, uh, Paul says. And then Paul says we have a, a personal growth project on the line. And we are to live a new life. Live the new life. Uh, these are the really, really... Difficult verses, right? This is a, you've got to be kidding, Paul. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Well, that must be just your idea. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's pretty important that we do this, but how in the world can we manage to do those three things? Uh, always be joyful? Well, we can't always be happy, but there's this, this idea that joy is what we have in Christ. It's, a, it's something that can't be taken away even despite troubles and, and terrible times or difficulties. Never stop praying. Well, I think what Paul is meaning, you, you, you probably can't pray every second of the day and certainly not at night, but whenever you come to it, you think every situation needs prayer and just becomes more and more of a part of you. That uh, never stop is is used of people, that word is used of people who have an, a, a persistent cough. You know, <laughs> they, just, they can't hold it back. It becomes just something that they have to do. And I think that's what Paul is saying. We need to, you know, pray in, the, some, in these situations, recognizing that it's something we should be doing. And be thankful in all circumstances. Well, hard to be thankful for some things, but knowing that God is in control really helps us to do that. So this is our personal building tro- project. We're to be participants in, in God's recreation of us. He has made us new, now we need to live in that newness. I was looking at the uh, last few verses there and thinking, how do we, how do we really, can we, can, is there any way that we can be helped in this? And Paul says that uh, 
Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. I don't know, there's lots of different theological writings about what we are as a people. This idea of body, soul, and spirit is frequent, but there's other things about, you know, we have a heart and we have a mind, and there are other things. But I was wondering about the soul is really our place of consciousness. That's what we are, it's who we are, it's what is inside of us that you don't see really, you see the body, right? Of what the, the presentation that I make to you is uh, I've dressed up and uh, I didn't comb my hair. Oh, well, that's gone. But, uh, but we do things to, to, to show ourselves to each other and that's our, our interaction with each other. That's our body. But then we have our spirit, which is the point of interaction with God. What do we do to make our spirit presentable to God? I mean, if we don't do anything, it's like we just didn't care and we didn't, uh, you know, take time to get properly dressed or, or washed or groomed. So there are things we need to do to, to get uh, our spirit in tune with God. So our interactions with the material creation, with other people, we put a fair bit of effort into doing that to make ourselves presentable. But what sort of effort do we do to show God who we want to be, who we are like? And this, uh, this joy, this prayerfulness and thanksgiving are th- three things that we could do to, to tune our spirits to God, right? To put those th- three things into operation in our lives would, would make our spirits more attractive to God. God knows our person anyway. He sees right through all the outside. The, the, the rest of us, we don't see each other's inside really. We don't really know. We can see only the outside, but God sees it all. But to at least do our part in our personal growth project, to, to do our part, to, to please him, to make ourselves presentable to him. Uh, joy, prayer, and thankfulness are certainly big components. So, in summary, we all have a, a role to play in building up the church. And Paul says, greet all the brothers and sisters with a sacred kiss. So that's a bit culturally different now. Where's our French families here? They, they have this, right? But we do things like holy handshakes and uh, holy hugs. And uh, so, you know, like there's, you know, this group hug thing that goes on that builds people up. So we have Joe the Builder comes along and, you know, builds me up by the hug. And we have Peggy the Builder and we have uh, other people who like hugging. You know, they are just building us up. Those who give us good, the handshakes, appropriate the handshakes. Some people really give you grad. <laughs> but we are encouraging one another with those contacts, right? And Paul says to do that and to tell people that they're important, that, they care, that we care about each other. And so we build each other up in this family of God. So we'll ask the team to come back and uh, sing about the family of God. Lord, we thank you that we are part of that family. We thank you that you've given us a role to help each other, and we thank you for those who've given us to help us in that. And we do pray that you would help us too to be uh, spiritually uh, alive in you, that our spirits might resonate with you, and uh, that we would uh, want to serve in this family in the way you choose. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.